has a sound curfew and shit, so... ACL has garnered large crowds with lineups filled with national hip-hop acts, but the 2019 festival included only two local hip-hop groups out of over 140 artists. South by Southwest included 55 local hip-hop acts in 2019 but Austin rappers still made up less than 20% of the year's lineup. Only one hip-hop artist was nominated for awards outside of the hip-hop and rap category in the 2018-2019 Austin Music Awards. Rapper Fat Tony gives his thoughts on the differences in how hip-hop is treated in Austin versus his hometown of Houston. You know, I bet there are a lot of very elitist Austin people, old heads, who don't think of rap as being music, you know, but I've, I would be hard pressed to find that in Houston because we have such a strong history of rap music. So I don't think you would come across people who would bar rappers from playing at their venue. Now I, that also happens because some of these venues are racist. That also happens because some of these venues feel like, you know, if we have a rap show it's gonna be fights and shit, you know, people have all kind of BS reasons, but I think the convenient BS reason for Austin venues is probably their history as like a blues and Americana place that probably looks down on artists that don't play instruments. What impact has the absence of local hip hop at these festival shows and awards had on the acceptance of hip hop in Austin? And can Austin have a nationally recognized scene without gaining total acceptance locally? This is Bevo Beats, a podcast by The Daily Texan focusing on the role UT students play in the greater Austin music industry. The first installments of Bevo Beats will focus on Austin's rising hip-hop scene, why it's taken the live music capital of the world's hip-hop movement this long to garner recognition, and what impacts hip-hop in the city. In this episode, we will hear from local bookers on how they decide who to put in show lineups, rappers who have fought to get hip-hop into Austin venues, and managers who have seen the discrimination faced by hip-hop artists trying to play shows in the live music capital of the world. You know, when we first got here, a lot of the venues weren't necessarily really open to, to hip-hop music in general, especially downtown. Austin-based hip-hop duo Riders Against the Storm has been an integral fixture in Austin's hip-hop scene since 2009. It was a place that we started at called Plush. You know, that venue was open to some of our ideas. And there were, there were some, but there were also those that were very um, resistant to, to hip-hop and certain, certain folks coming into their clubs. Riders Against the Storm is composed of artists Shaka and Kidada. Despite the group's notoriety, they've struggled for years to be showcased by Austin venues. I, I, I think when you talk about like venues, I mean, a lot of this just, it just, it just, it's racism. It's not hatred, but it is racism. I think people can get that really confused. So like, if you have venues, um, you need money to run a venue um, and you need to be able to get a loan easily if you run a venue. And typically, historically, the people who get to get loans more easily and get to get money more easily are white men. So they run those venues. So their tastes are what fills those venues. But those things are, in fact, changing. They, they have no choice at some point. Be like, well, these people are bringing these people. 
if they if they're bringing people to the door, you kind of have to let me in, oh, and or create my own space, and or you know with live streaming this year, create my own. There's just like it's not this. It's a very um, old model at this point. So like people have the opportunity to just expand because the gatekeepers aren't 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 sitting in the way the same way they used to. One example of this change has been the nationally acclaimed and longest-running music TV show, Austin City Limits, welcoming his first hip-hop artist to its stage. My mission, really, as the executive producer over the years, has been to make sure the show evolves and expands, which I think is the reason it's still around. Otherwise, if we were still about nothing but Austin and Texas country music, I think that would have gotten, gotten stale after a while. Terry Lacoma has been Austin City Limits executive producer for 45 years and is the ultimate decider in the show's lineup. In all of these years, PBS has never told me who I should book or not book. For the show and because austin city limits and pbs are non-commercial don't need to worry about pressure from sponsors and frankly we don't even need to worry about rating part of our goal is to try to reach out to as many people as possible no matter where they are or or you know how they how they find us despite the lack of influence from advertisers or network executives acl did not book a hip-hop artist until 2009 decades after the genre picked up popularity you know being totally honest and transparent with the internal evolution of Austin City Limits. Uh, there was some resistance or some pushback from within about doing shows like that or, or stretching the limits of Austin City Limits a little bit, maybe too much. It took me, and I'm not taking all of the credit myself, but it definitely, it was a process to uh, be able to, to book, whether it's hip hop or Latin music or, you know, some of the more the, the more fringy kind of edgy music that uh, you know is not typically not 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 exactly mainstream. So yeah, I mean hip hop has been around for decades, and um, it, it is kind of strange to think that it was 2009 when we finally broke out and uh, booked our first hip hop act. Um, but I think it took a lot of persistence to really get to that point. I wish that it happened sooner, but hey, it is. What it is, that's the history of, of the show, and I'm just glad that we're at a place now that we're able to include hip-hop in uh, basically every, every season. Although they now book hip-hop artists, musicians of the genre have remained somewhat of a rarity on the program. Lacoma cites explicit language as one barrier to booking rappers. I mean, the challenge comes from the language because broadcast television still has these really strict standards, uh, you know, that are imposed by the FCC unlike, you know, with cable TV. So there are, there are all these words that you're not allowed to say, you know, on broadcast television. When Kendrick Lamar did the show, you know, I, I talked to him early in the day when he came in for the, the rehearsal, and he was, he already knew ahead of time because we had talked to his management about, uh, you know, issues with language and, you know, the, there were certain words that we'd have to bleep out of the show, um, but it was up to him. If he, you know, felt like that was, he wanted to, to, to maintain the integri integrity of his music, you know, that's understandable. But he had this uncanny ability to like flip a switch in his brain and he replaced all of the words for his hour long show with different words that still made perfect sense, but they weren't the original words that, you know, would have been bleeped out of the show. When we did the show, show a show with Run the Jewels, we talked about the same thing and they were like, man, that's almost impossible. I mean, we can't wrap our heads around the idea when we're doing a, a song or, or a rap to like substitute different words. 
So they did their show straight. I mean, their normal show. Now we'd like to apologize ahead of time. Yes, for any profanity that we may be using. Oh, we're gonna curse like goddamn sailors, kids. Apologies to those editing this for live broadcast. And we ended up having to edit out 165 words, I think, from their performance, which is the sort of thing I hate to do because I feel like that's really taking away from the artist's you know, integrity uh, of their, their music, whatever, whatever it is. But we have no choice because, again, of the, uh, you know, the, the strict standards that are imposed by the FCC. And that's one reason, you know, to be honest, we probably haven't had as much hip hop on the show that, uh, that I would like to have. Lacoma recognizes the impact ACL can have on bringing national attention to artists' music. I'm sure if we booked a show with Riders Against the Storm or Mama Duke, Black Alack and others, if we booked a show with one or two of them, I'm sure that would help promote their music, promote their sound, and maybe help them break out of the of the Austin scene. But I'm, you know, it's been hard, especially during the pandemic, just to get be able to get out. And well, it's been impossible to get out and see music because there hasn't been any live music, you know, for like the last year, except for live streams. So, and I've always had this thing, you know, when I book an artist to do the show, I don't want to do it. I don't want to pull the trigger until I've seen them live. You know, that means a lot to me to be able to go and see a live show, not just a video, but a, an actual live performance, since that's what our show is all about, is live performance. Despite not booking any local hip hop yet, Lacoma knows there's a fan base for hip hop music. Kind of a catch-22 situation here. And I mean, there's an audience for hip hop music in Austin. There are, there are plenty of fans in Austin, yet there's not an outlet for the music, you know, for them to go and, and, and see it, whether it's because the venues don't think they can make enough money or they don't like the kind of a crowd that certain hip hop can draw. I mean, it's, it's not fair and it's gotta be frustrating for the artists and the managers and the fans. You know, in 2014, you know, 2013, you know, I was in spaces talking about these very things that are being addressed now, six, seven, eight years later, um, in terms of equity, in terms of discrimination, things of that nature. So it's good to see them happening, but I think, you know, we definitely, we definitely took hits because of the stances that we took. Changes like ACL opening its stage to more genres came years after Riders Against the Storm already saw their career take hits due to discrimination. You know, I was told, you know, by a, a board chair of an organization, a nonprofit organization, that you know, I would be at more tables, meaning I would have more opportunities. And by saying I, meaning we, Riders Against the Storm, would have more opportunities if I, if I didn't talk about the things that I talked about. So when I entered these spaces, I wasn't just like, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I was like, okay, I'm here and I'm going to talk about what needs to change. When you bring it up, people tell you you're crazy or it's very easy to be dismissed. You know, I distinctly remember going to a another publication they were having an event. It, you know, it was full of old heads or whatever. And it's cool they're not into hip hop, uh, but our music sonically does a lot of different things. And I, I distinctly remember these people in the room turning their backs and leaving the room. Kidada says that as black musicians, they aren't always clearly told why a venue turns them away gatekeepers are more comfortable with certain other kinds of people. White men are more comfortable with white men. So they say certain things to them and then it gets out. And it's like, see, I, we knew what we were saying. We knew what the experience was, but when it comes out of a brown mouth, it's not true. It gets dismissed very easily.
Wayne Lindsay and Eric Radford are both white managers of hip-hop artists, including Austin rapper DZ Brown. We got into this pretty much basically in hip-hop. And then as we've, as we've gone, uh, we, now have, we now have jobs. We're for a management company called Winehouse. And so now we're thrown into a world of country and rock and pop um, and R&B. When I was first getting started booking shows, that's how I started and like trying to get venues to care about rap music outside of South by Southwest was the biggest challenge. I mean, uh, to them, there was a money grab that week in March. Outside of that, they just didn't care. They, they perceived it as it, it brought problems. Uh, it brought more problems than solutions. And to us, you know, we just didn't understand that. We're working with artists who, and, and we're throwing events that are successful. And we're just like, this. there's this barrier that Austin has put up um, to hip hop music that's been a, it's been a battle for not just us, but for a lot of people to, to try to overcome. The talent managers said many venues tell them they are scared hip-hop shows will bring violence. To Lindsay and Radford's knowledge, there hasn't been any recent incidents of violence at a local hip-hop show here in Austin. Why is that misconception there? It's like, why this doesn't make sense. Like, none of these, like, people, everybody's perception is very off. You know, I'm, I'm working with a guy who's, like, delivering mail and then hanging out with his family in the evening. So why do you assume that there's violence going to be at, at a show? Another reason they've had hip-hop clients turned down by venues is bookers not believing hip-hop shows will make the venue enough money. The sense that we got was they didn't think that people would either one, show out, um, so there'd be no audience, and then if people are to show up, that people wouldn't want to spend money. And we we're like, how do you know that's true? We don't think that's true. And I think uh, the, the first show that we threw was um, with Confucius and Fresh over at uh, KUTX, uh, The Breaks. We sold out Barracuda and they had a great bar night and had ticket sales and everything. And we're like, well, there you go. There's one. And now oh, if you want to call that a, a fluke, we'll do it again. And then we did it again in February with more like R&B focus. If you want to call that a fluke, okay, the four of us are going to go do it again. And then we did it the second summer jam, almost sold that one out. And then for Love Lockdown, we sold out the inside at Stubbs right before the pandemic hit. And it's like, there's four for four, four successful shows. Hip hop artists that perform with a backing track or DJ have also been turned down by venues that don't consider them to be live music. When you have somebody with just a rapper and a DJ um, can sell out shows um, at stadiums, then you can't you can't necessarily say well that's not that's not real music or that's not um, that's not at the highest level because there's people at the highest level that literally are just a rapper and a DJ and they put on a phenomenal show. Ultimately, Lindsay and Radford believe racism plays the largest factor and obstacles in the way of their hip hop clients. Yeah, I think the the biggest the biggest challenge and there's so many parallels in in, how, in what we're talking about and also in the city when it comes to racial racial disparity and a lot of institutional uh systems especially in music where it's like there's never really been there's not you know we've had um you know jackie benson we've had gary clark there's never been other than like kid jones who you know and the mc overlord like you know that's that's a long time ago these people got deals but it wasn't like there was a a, a community right in people's faces when it came to like Antones and Stubbs and like these institutions that have been in Austin for generations have never had to deal with it. And I think like it was a little bit of young and old and like a hip hop community being here and us understanding that 
but these venues never having to had to book them before it was never popular enough to bring out other than it's cast away in its own neighborhood it's its own area anthony stevenson is the event booker for the austin venue come and take it we've had plenty of hip-hop shows where you know an artist might have come in with uh, you know, just a DJ, or maybe they don't even have a live DJ with them and they just have, you know, backing tracks through a computer or, you know, whatever kind of playback device they're using. Stevenson explained the process he goes through when booking artists of every genre. Kind of have to just kind of look at, you know, the social media accounts and see, you know, how many followers they have, how many, you know, uh, listens they're getting through like Spotify, um, what the posts and comments are like on their you know, through their social pages, you know, kind of just also looking at their tour history to see the, the sizes of venues that they've played in the past, you know, all kind of different things that could use as leverage to determine whether or not we'd be able to facilitate a show for them. And yeah, half the time, I, you know, I've never heard of them or, or maybe I have and it's just maybe somebody that I don't listen to, but knowing that, you know, they do have a demographic here in town, they do have fans and followers, you know, um, is enough to to justify us taking a chance on booking them, you know, and hoping that we have a, a successful show. Riders Against the Storm has over 5,000 Instagram followers, but has still felt unwelcome in local venues. We definitely entered into rooms. We felt the experience of entering into spaces and having people kind of clutch their pearls and be like, how did they get in here? Like, who let them in? Um, we've definitely experienced that in mul on multiple occasions, on multiple levels in the city. Austin rapper The Teda has over 18 million followers on Instagram, but still had to work to create spaces to perform when the city was not supporting hip-hop. I did 62 shows in the year 2018 alone, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, like uh, I, I didn't, I didn't really have a problem getting booked. Like I had people like Dirtbag Life who really like booked like some of my first like like solo shows and stuff. Who kind of believed in me in the beginning, and still to this day, like we still work to this day. And then um, you know, when, whenever venues weren't really you know interested in hip hop or whatever at the time, I just you know got creative and I did house parties and warehouse parties and just got in wherever I could fit in just so that the name would move. Rap group Magna Carta was named Best Hip Hop Artist of 2020 by the Austin Music Awards. Even with that recognition, they still see obstacles the city has put in place for the hip hop community. So rap is really supported, and hip hop is really supported by like a black community, black and brown community. And while Austin definitely has a black and brown community, um, it's, it's, you know, everything that is kind of, um, feature our product of that community is kind of being put on our backs and on our shoulders because Austin does have a very white population and like believe it or not there are a lot of you know um it, it's passed off as a liberal city but there are a lot of conservatives here and you know that is a huge thing that a lot of people don't talk about. Despite this form of discrimination being long standing in the city the rap duo sees change happening today. I don't think people were really seeing it until obviously this summer, you know, a lot of things came to a head. But people just kind of go about their everyday life not realizing um, that, you know, they're excluding this community and this community of music. And it's not until, 
you have people that are coming from other states. Like now, Austin is becoming a more transplant city, and you have people coming from places like LA and coming from places like New York, but they don't function by those rules. You know, they enjoy music as a whole. They're used to diversity. They're used to inclusion. You know, there's there are huge immigrant communities in those cities, and now that that's arriving here in Austin, I think that that's going to be. You know, it's going to make for a major shift in how how people look at and how people treat different genres in, in Austin's music community. Every lane that I take express. express. No shame in the game, we bless. Wanna block, but you can't change a thing, we fresh. In the heart of Texas. For The Daily Texan, I'm Associate Audio Editor Addie Costello. This episode was created with the help of audio producers Allison Nodal and Heather Stort. The music you heard on this podcast was Red Lights by Riders Against the Storm, Girlfriend by Flazoshi, Talk by Magna Carta, and Costco by Mike Melano which can all be found on Spotify.